Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. It's a pleasure to have you and big shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles, Suttles Solution Media, to help make this podcast possible. We have another great episode in store for you guys. And I think this is going to be very helpful for a lot of our listeners, whether you're looking to relocate your business, whether you're looking to relocate your life, or maybe you're looking to get in the rental property game. You won't want to miss the tips and the advice that our guest today is going to be giving you the author of Rental Secrets, Justin Pogue on the call. Justin, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Absolutely glad to be here. I do want to make sure that our audience has a chance to meet you really quick and give you a chance to introduce yourself. Uh, I feel like the story is best told from the person who's lived it. So I'd love to give you the floor really quick to kind of speak to the audience about who you are, what you do, and and why you wrote this book too. I think that's a really great, great start. Yeah, no, absolutely. So this whole journey started back when I was going to graduate school and I was dead set on being a management consultant. So like I researched the companies, I got somebody to do practice interviews with, all of that, went and did the interview, got the internship, and then the entire bottom of the industry fell out. This is like 0102, dot-com bubble is bursting. Mm -hmm. So all of the management consulting clients were, were drying up. They were going away. They were cutting back on everything, especially management consulting fees. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people that had been recently hired in that industry, they were actually receiving rescission letters. As in, thank you for buying a house in your office. We no longer need your services. Wow. Yeah. So my 12-week internship got cut to six and there was no job at the end of that rainbow. So I kind of came back home to California trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And at the time, it just so happened that my mother was doing research on how to buy properties by paying the back taxes on them. Mm. So she's like, I'm just learning this. I want to try it out. Let's go look at some stuff. So we actually took a road trip from California to Florida and we went county by county and we're looking at what they call the lands available list. And we actually bought three properties off of that list and then flipped those properties to developers. And that's how I got started in this whole real estate business. From there, the investments went to multifamily because if you can, we wanted to make residual cash flow off of our efforts. So we went into multifamily and did some apartment buildings and that kind of thing. But all through that and all through that multifamily process, like the conversation between renters and landlords was always very strained. Like it was always like, regardless of what market I was in, it was always rents too high. It was always a stressful situation from the renter's standpoint. And then where the book kind of came from was one day I'm in the bookstore and I'm looking at the real estate section. I see books for owners and managers and investors. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Those stressed out people that I was renting to before, like there's no books here for them. Yeah. And then the epiphany was, there are 43 million households across the U.S. that are renting, and they pay half a trillion dollars a year with a T in rent every year, and nobody's really talking to them. Nobody's really educating them on how the marketplace works, why landlords are doing the things that they're doing, and it creates frustration on the side of the renter because 
you're doing things that are impacting my life in major ways, but I don't know how you're doing them, why you're doing them, or what mechanisms are involved in this whole rental process. I'm just hoping and praying that some politician will pass some law that will save me from this somehow. And that's not where this conversation should be. Because if you watch any judge show on television and the topic of renting comes up, or if there's a landlord-tenant dispute, it's likely going to be a knockdown, drag out, mm-hmm. fight full of animosity. There, you may see a chair fly across the room, um, <laughs> and that's where the conversation is. And a lot of I think renters and landlords are talk are screaming at each other as opposed to talking to each other. Yeah. And I think that's why I really enjoyed your book. Again, the title Rental Secrets, because you you speak to the renters and you also speak to the landlords. And it's 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 almost like and you even write it in the book is win win, you know, is setting up a win win relationship, because a lot of times where you mentioned the chair flying when the subject comes up or some of us might remember back in the day watching Jerry, Jerry, and it gets so <laughs> hostile. But some of it is because one party doesn't understand the other party's perspective. And yes, what I like about the book is you kind of, you depict not only some of the benefits a renter can enjoy, but you also kind of bridge the gap for that renter and say, by you doing this, you also provide a service to that landlord. Did you have that idea from the start? Like, did you know you wanted to kind of, it's not like a down the middle type book. It's just an informative book, which kind of mm-hmm. lets everybody like, oh, this is how I could help each other. Was that the idea from the start? Or did you first kind of think you were going to talk to the renters? For the book, that was kind of the idea from the start, because having been a landlord for 20 years and having been a small landlord who's been working on their own and doing maintenance on their properties and all of that, I got a front row seat to all of the problems that landlords experience on a daily basis operating their properties. So I do a live presentation based on the book, and I talk about one of the biggest myths that renters have is that landlords are all wealthy people, that they're sitting on some yacht in the Caribbean, sipping Mai Tais, watching the sunset go down. And that's not the reality. The reality is the other picture I use in my presentation, which is this lone hand you see lifting up above the waves of the ocean. And that hand is all you see. Like <laughs> landlords feel like they're very inundated with issues, problems, and going on with their properties. And the ability of a renter to potentially throw them a lifeline to help them deal with some of those problems has real value. It has real value in terms of reducing landlord's costs. It has real value in terms of reducing landlord's stress levels. And that's something that renters can take and translate into lower rents that are better for their pocketbook. So there's benefits that renters can create for both sides. It's just that nobody's really talked to them from that perspective before. Yeah. In the chapters, the chapters of the book, and I imagine this is intentional. You say the power of this, the power of that. And the book is, it's really that. It's empowering the reader with the tools to kind of navigate these rental waters. I guess without giving too much, I'd love for some of the listeners and some of the folks watching on YouTube to get some of the, I guess, maybe cliff note actionable steps you would give to a renter who might come towards, especially with the the pandemic, they might've had 
some hard times, been furloughed, or their finances look different than what it did a year ago. And here mm-hmm. they are coming up on renewing on their lease. And they're trying to find creative ways to either negotiate that lease or relocate. What are some action steps you'd tell that person in this scenario to, I guess, put themselves in the best position? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. It is. It was intentional to call to name the each of the chapters after a specific power, because I think a lot of times renters feel powerless. Mm-hmm. So one of the powers that people actually need to be using is the power of negotiation. Never doubt that you can negotiate with your landlord. It's just a matter of presenting your case in a way that they are able to hear. They don't hear whining. That's not a language that they listen to, but language that they do listen to is I've been renting in your community for two years. You've had no complaints against me from other residents about you know noise or what have you. And my rent has been paid on time for that two year period. These are all benefits because when you go to rent that property to someone else, you have to roll the dice. Is that person going to pay on time? Is that person going to disturb your community? All of those questions are now cropping up in the landlord's mind as potential possibilities, potential downfalls of losing this particular resident. On top of that, it costs them money to find a resident. Either their staff is spending time on that or one of these apartment online search services will refer someone to them. But guess what? They want a referral fee and that Mm -hmm. referral fee is upwards of $300. So now you're talking to them about the costs that they will incur of you potentially moving out. And those and that referral fee is not the only cost. There's maintenance costs, there's vacancy costs, there are other things going on. So what that means is from the landlord's perspective, I have all these costs that I may have to endure if you, the renter, choose to move out. See, the, the, the real key here is the renter is in charge of whether the landlord has to incur those costs or not. If you stay, they don't have to incur those costs. Mm-hmm. If you leave, they are now on the hook for all of those costs, and those costs are real, Yeah, and they can't avoid them. Whereas, you know, the, the potential revenue from a new renter, that's off in the future. That's not real yet. That's not happening now yet. But mm-hmm. these costs will happen. And the renter is the one in charge of whether the landlord has to pay those or not. So that's part of where the power comes from. That's part of the conversation that renters need to be having with their landlord. Yeah. I'd love to know some of your personal experiences going through, through your, your journey in rental properties and whatnot that helped you, I guess, spark the ideas from this, this book. Is there a story that comes to mind an experience that comes to mind that you're like, Oh, don't want to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One of the, one of the major kind of themes that run through the book is the value of relationships, the value of your relationships with your renters and the value of your relationships with your vendors as a landlord. So one of the experiences I had was there was a 32-unit apartment building in down in Mississippi that I was managing. And one month, we just had torrential downpour rain for like two days, and it, it just poured down. 
there was a drainage canal behind the building and somehow it got had gotten blocked up down the way. So it filled up and then the water actually came onto the property, flooding the first floor units. Like oh, wow. these are issues. These are real issues landlords have to deal with. I mean, it happens. And so the water stayed on the property for a day and then receded. And now I've got all these people calling me about, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to? I had never been through a flood before. Like I, <laughs> I did not know anything about anything related to a flood, but because of the relationships I had with my renters, we were actually able to navigate that process. Some apartments weren't flooded too badly, so we could move. So we could move things into other rooms in the apartment, so we could get in and clean things up. And the relationship was also really useful with my vendors because they were the ones that I relied on. Because as you can imagine, it wasn't just my apartment building that was affected. It was a whole area. And for my vendor to accept my call when hundreds of other people are calling them too, that is just a huge win in and of itself. So I was able to get the information that I needed from my vendor and we were able to start that cleaning up process. So Using the relationship with my vendor and my residents, we were able to get in and get that cleaned up within three days. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's really important because for those three days as a landlord, I can't charge them rent for that because your apartment has water in it. It's not livable. I can't charge you rent for that. So I is in my best interest to get that cleaned up as quickly as possible. But it's also in the renter's best interest because now they got to rearrange their life mm-hmm. because their apartment isn't is unlivable for those three days yeah so yeah and that's just that's just one of the stories <laughs> that i've had to deal with as a landlord yeah and i imagine you could write a whole other book on you know stories of a landlord uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you've used that title i only want three percent just three <laughs> but to kind of piggyback off of that and, and your point of the importance of relationships right before the show I was talking about my experience not too long ago being on a rental property and it was this beautiful building. It was an old mill that they repurposed to be mm-hmm. beautiful luxury loft apartments, great amenities. And I remember the owner of the building, one of the owners, because it was a partnership, but one of the owners of the building, he lived in the building, first of all. Secondly, he would walk around. He knew my name. He knew my fiance's name. He gave me his number. He said, if you ever have a problem with your apartment, let me know. And we absolutely loved living there when Uh he was the property manager. Well, they sold to kind of a a bigger company who had a whole bunch of apartment complexes. And it was almost like overnight, I went from Ted to apartment 238. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And no longer felt like there was a relationship. It was, you know, now everything had all not red tape, but it's like, all these processes and you don't know you're, you're talking to somebody who has to talk to somebody else who has to talk to somebody else. So they're not even going to go through the process of starting a conversation. And it, and it just strained that relationship that was set up beforehand. And it definitely had an impact on the quality of living in that building. So just to reiterate that, but you, you did mention too early on about, and it's in the book about kind of the importance of a renter knowing what they want, and also being able to do the research. When does that process start? How early should I start, I guess, figuring out where I want to live, what it is I want, what I'm looking for? Because 
it's almost like if I walk into an apartment complex and the leasing manager or whatnot just puts it in front of me, I'm going to take what I get instead of walking in with intention. How do we go about discovering that? It really starts with having the mindset of knowing that you can negotiate. This is not a situation where you have to just take whatever you're presented with and start entering, entering into that situation with that mindset. That's where it starts. So if you're approaching a point in your life where you're looking, where you're going to start looking for apartments, give yourself a month to think about what amenities you actually want and what type of living situation you want to have. And it doesn't matter what you're trying to rent, whether you're trying to rent a room, a studio, a house, a townhouse, whatever it is you're trying to rent, give yourself that time to really crystallize in your mind specifically what it is you want and need. And it's important to separate the wants from the needs. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just a difference between must have and would be nice to have. So apartment complexes have been in this war of adding amenities to buildings, pools, courtyards. I saw one community that had a rooftop deck with a wall size TV with like a, a TV, the length of the pool on it. Like they're adding all of this stuff. But when you look at really focus on what your needs are, do you need that stuff? Do you need an on-site playground for your kids? Or is there a playground down the street that the community has set up for you? Will that work? And let's be sure that we're not paying for both (laughs) because you're paying taxes, which pay for the community one, and you're paying rent, which pays for the one on-site. Let's just pick one (laughs) and not not pay twice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But these are concepts that renters need to be thinking about. Another concept to think about is parking. Do you get a parking space? Is that parking space big enough for your vehicle? Because not all parking spaces are the same. And a lot of of leasing agents will say, oh, yeah, well, that's okay. There's great street parking. Come back at five and six o'clock and really see if there's that great street parking really exists or if it's three miles away because street parking has become a competitive Olympic sport, basically, (laughs) at this point. (laughs) But yeah, because so all of these amenities that come with the building, it takes time to think through not only what you need and want, but also what each of these buildings has to offer and whether you need and or want those. Yeah. And how that relates to what amenities are available in the community around the, the apartment building where you might live, because it's not just I'm renting an apartment. You're renting an apartment, which is in an apartment community, which is in a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So you're, when you rent, you're renting all of those things. Mm-hmm. And you need to make sure that all of those things fit your life and what you need. Yeah. One thing that was in the book that quite frankly floored me was when you talked about the concept of competition, mm-hmm. because the way you phrase it and the way you frame it, I really think like our audience need to understand this because when you mention competition, my old apartment complex has done it. I know a lot of our listeners who are currently renting or looking to rent new places, they'll hear it all the time. Our prices are competitive. Our prices Mm -hmm. are competitive. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing now because I wish I had this book (laughs) Four years ago when I was renting, I'm, I'm telling you. But yeah, what does it mean 
when they say their prices are competitive and why is that most of the time irrelevant to the person who's, who's renting? I don't want to say fully irrelevant, but it's not factual completely. When they say our rents are competitive with the market, it sounds so nice. It sounds like we've done all the work for you. Everything is handled. You can't get a better deal than this anywhere. <laughs> and the problem is how they decided what was competitive and how that relates to you as an individual or as a family. So really what they've done is they start with their location and they'll draw, they'll, they'll take out a map and they'll start with their location and they'll draw a circle around their map with a radius of you know a mile or two. And then they'll choose whatever communities are in that circle that they think compete with them. And they will match their prices to those communities. It sounds reasonable. It sounds logical, but here's the problem. That's not how you're shopping for an apartment. You as an individual, you're looking at my job is here and I want to live within 15 minutes of my job. And they, this community may be 15 minutes East, but there may be other communities that are 15 minutes West. Mm -hmm. Those other communities are not being included in their little circle. So in their world of what competition is, many communities that you would consider to live in, they're not even looking at. So what that means is they're saying their, their prices are competitive, but in essence, they don't really know who they're competing against until they meet you, until you come in and start negotiating and tell them, look, these are the other opportunities that I'm seeing in the marketplace to live in the type of place that I want to live. This, and you are in effect telling them, this is who you are competing against. Mm-hmm. And previous to that conversation, they're effectively determining their prices in a vacuum as far as you're concerned, because mm-hmm. they don't know you, they haven't met you yet. Yeah. And yeah. that's why it's important for you to figure out what you need and then present that when you're talking to the leasing agent. Because they don't have that information yet. Yeah, and it's actually yeah. a service that you're doing to them because you're bringing them information about their clientele, about what their clientele needs that they don't have yet. Mm-hmm. I'd love to kind of, I guess, approach the other side too, because we've been talking a lot about the renter's experience. And as I mentioned, the book is, is very valuable to both the renter and the landlord. So coming from the landlord experience, because I know a lot of our listeners you know, a lot of them are entrepreneurial business owners themselves. Mm-hmm. And even mentioned in the book, in, in terms of wealth growth, majority, I think you mentioned 90% of those who've been able to grow their wealth have done so through real estate. So there's probably a lot of listeners who want to get in that landlord realm as well. Understanding mm-hmm. some of these struggles and some of these, I guess, obstacles, how can a landlord best position themselves to service their renters and maybe help make that process a little easier for them. Or maybe in essence, let's talk about the real fact is the landlords make their process a little easier too. So they don't have to be that lone hand in the middle of the ocean. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, actually let's, let's kind of start at the start of the beginning. So a lot of people get become landlords because they, they're either left a property or they go to some real estate seminar and they're really excited about investing. 
unfortunately, a lot of those real estate seminars don't talk about the real ins and outs of actually managing and operating a property and making it work. They talk about all of the all of the sexy things about owning property, you know, the the tax depreciation, the residual income, the appreciation of the property. They cover all of those in great detail. But the actual nuts and bolts mechanics of operating a property, they assume you'll have people to do that for you. And maybe you will, and maybe you won't. But the fact that they don't discuss it oftentimes is disconcerting for me as a real estate professional. Like you, That's something that needs to be talked about because this is a property. It's not a bond. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can just sit back and collect interest. No, it has to be operated. It has to be run. And you're actually serving a customer when you rent property. So that's the, that's the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is that your relationship with your renter is absolutely vital to the success of your property. If your renters don't have any kind of quality relationship with you, then they're not going to stay very long, which means you're going to have a lot of turnover, which means you're going to be repairing and fixing properties and you're going to be spending money on filling vacancies and you'll have higher vacancy costs than you would otherwise. And those can, those will eat into your profit and and you'll make your investment will be worse off for it. So one of the things I say is that amateur investors look to charge as much as possible. Experienced investors are looking for profit. And there's a difference and there's a big difference between those between those two perspectives. Like you can charge whatever you want for your property, but if you don't manage those expenses and if it takes longer to rent your property, your profits going down the toilet while you're chasing those higher rents. And sometimes chasing higher rents doesn't serve you anyway. Like you may over-improve your property trying to chase higher rents. And that means you've spent money that you can't recoup because you've over-improved for a specific marketplace because you were trying to chase higher rents. So having that perspective of focusing on the profit, which means not only focusing on the revenue coming in from the rent, but also the expenses that you're going to incur because you may not have a great relationship with your residents because you have higher turnover is really important. Yeah. That's huge. One of my last questions with the book rental secrets, what value do you hope people take away from it? What impact do you intend that book to have on folks? What I want people to take away from their experience with the book is a, I want them to be able to read the book quickly. It's, it's designed for people to read in a relatively short period of time and go out and use. And I want people to take away the fact that they can negotiate. I want people to take away the fact that this landlord-renter conversation that we're having on a national, state, and local level can be a much more civilized conversation if we're actually listening to each other and having a real conversation about the needs of landlords and the needs of renters. And ultimately, I hope that that better conversation will lead to better government policy when we're talking about the rules under which landlords and renters are interacting in the marketplace. Because I think there's been a recent movement to just cancel rent. And I think just the fact that that conversation is being had is problematic because it will likely lead to no more investment in rental property, which will ultimately lead to even higher rent prices, 
was part of what got us to where we're at right now. Yeah. So we need to be talking about having hopefully kind of steer people towards having real conversations and creating real solutions as opposed to just focusing on today, the short term, and ultimately making everybody worse off in the long term. Yeah. Focusing on the profit. Right. And and I mean, and there's, there's so much more in the book and to that point of the, the renter and landlord relationship, the benefits that one can give to another. I mean, you touch on new construction properties, you touch on local landlords versus remote landlords and all the different ways that folks in the renter's position can offer their services to even to the point of potentially getting free rent. So I really want folks to, if they're in that position, whether they're looking to jump into the landlord realm or and invest, or if they're looking to maybe rent a new property and move on to, to get the book and you, even you mentioned it's designed to to read quickly. I also love how at the end of the chapters, you have the spaces and questions, kind of like actionable steps where you have the questions with each chapter mm-hmm. for them to actually fill in the blanks of, you know, this is what you want. This is what you're looking for. This is what you can offer. This is what you're seeing. And almost kind of takes the person step-by-step step on that process where you mentioned, hey, give yourself a month. Well, it's not going to take you a month to read this book. You could probably read it in one sitting, but going through those answers and the questions and exploring that, I think that's a good workbook and practice for folks. So I appreciate you taking the time to write it, Justin. I appreciate you taking the time to put your your knowledge and your, your wealth in those pages. And I would definitely want to make sure that our, our listeners and our viewers have an opportunity to get in touch with you, get the book and learn more how can they do that? Yeah, absolutely, Ted. So the website is rentalsecrets.net and it's available there as an ebook or you can get it on Amazon to get the hard copy and the other usual retail suspects online. Mm-hmm. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, where I'm actually giving out daily tips for, for renters and landlords who are dealing with these, who are dealing with these issues. Nice. And then you can also reach me at justin at rentalsecrets.net. Awesome. And I'm going to have those those links and all of those contacts in the show notes as well. So folks can kind of, hey, if they're watching right now on YouTube, they can just open up the description, hit that to go right to those domains. Or if you're listening on your podcast app, go ahead and open that up. And once you touch it, it will take you right to those, those domains as well. But Justin, I, I thank you so much. And I really hope a lot of folks get value from this book. I hope they, I, I know they'll get value from it if they buy it. I hope they buy it and I hope they utilize it because I could tell this isn't just a project that you put together. This is a passion of yours and it really does shine through. So I appreciate you sharing. Thanks, Ted. I'm glad to share it with your audience. Absolutely. And I'm going to recap some of the tips and some of the some of the tidbits you left along the way for our listeners is I always like to recap some of the things where you know, landlords aren't what you think. They're not who you think they are. I think that's the first thing. When we start this conversation, a lot of folks, especially with the pandemic, might be seeing their landlord as the enemy, or they might think of their landlord, as you mentioned before, just the rich people on the yacht, just hanging out, taking in the sunshine. And that's simply not the case. These are regular people like you and I, and, and some of them are just people who got into investing and they're having their issues just as much as you are. So the benefits of a renter is understanding that and being able to talk to their problems and offer solutions to the landlords instead of just asking them to lower the rent. So understanding that is, is definitely very helpful. Also understanding your value as a renter 
If you're a good tenant, you pay your rent on time, you don't cause too many issues, you clean up after your pet, that's also something in the book, you do all these things, that in itself is value. And I don't think enough renters understand that. And being able to speak to that with your landlord is huge and very, very important. And also understanding that it's about relationships. How many of you guys know the name of your property manager? How many of you know the name of the person who owns the building that you live in, or even knowing the name of the person who works in the leasing office, who you deal with on a daily basis? Those relationships is really what provides the value for you to negotiate in the future, or also just provides the value of the quality of living in your establishment, and then deciding what it is you actually want. I'll tell you what, a TV wall-to-wall by a pool sounds great as an amenity, but if it's packed every weekend and I can't fit there anyway, why do I want it and why do I want to pay for it when I probably have a pretty good TV in my own house or I can go to the movie theater for 10 bucks? So just discovering what it is you actually want, putting it on paper, weighing the wants versus the needs, the must-have versus nice to haves are all the things as met Justin mentioned and um, definitely focus on profit. This is for the investor side. Don't just charge as much as you can understand that there is going to be costs. If people don't like staying in your building and if you set up a good relationship, you focus on the profits for the long term. you can have a great setup, not just for yourself as a landlord, but for your renters as well. And as Justin says, hopefully we can keep that conversation going. Justin, Thank you again for sharing with us today. Absolutely, Ted. Glad to be here. Yes, sir. And as we always say to the audience, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend that you think will get value from it as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts and your feedback. Give us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. That's the best way for us to improve. And of course, if you do enjoy this podcast and you love it so much, you want to support monetarily, we have a Patreon page where you can get exclusive audio. You could hear more from Justin and our other guests, and you could support for as little as $1 a month. That link is in the show notes as well. And as we always say at the end of the episode, guys, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow. <laughs>